I've had a number of people say, why are you wearing shorts today? I'm not wearing shorts out of choice. It's out of necessity. We have more people to baptize, um, which is a real joy. But I'm getting a bit warm now. Let me just extend my welcome to you as well if you're, if you're a guest. And I know we have people with us online every week as well. Great to see you too. Thank you for joining us, whether you're near or far, or whether you're part of the church and, and sick and unable to be with us. We're, we're very glad that you're worshipping with us today or catching up at some point later. Um, I, when I got dressed in the dark this morning, I thought maybe the red underneath would work with the, with the red around there, but I, I'm seeing some... <laughs> There's, there's some doubt expressed on your faces, but I'm going to go with it now anyway. There's, uh, maybe just roll my sleeves up because I feel slightly self-conscious now. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Ollie, thank you for your encouragement, but I think my days of styling it out are, are behind me. Um, but I, I'll, take the, I'll take the encouragement. Um, just turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 before we uh, hit the, the kind of full, um, full Christmas acceleration from uh, next week. I'd just love to dwell for a few minutes in this, this beautiful encounter of a pregnant Mary um, and her aunt Elizabeth that's in the, in the Gospels, in the Scriptures for us. If you've not got a Bible, don't worry. Uh, the words will come up on, on the screen behind you in a moment. We were praying um, with the group that pray here on a Thursday morning, the 7 o'clock weekly prayer meeting. It's just a beautiful time of, of prayer and, and real sense of prophetic, um, just just praying, worshipping, hearing God speak together and reflecting on the most amazing year really of, of kingdom life with uh, people becoming followers of Jesus, um, getting healed, seeing their lives transformed uh, amongst all the stuff and craziness of life. You, c- you can read some headlines sometimes and think, wow, the church of Jesus Christ is diminishing in the West. The reality is far removed from that. Um, and uh, we uh, have, have seen growth this year that I've never seen the like of in, in the best part of 27, 28 years since we helped to plant our, our first church a long time ago when I had beautiful hair. And uh, we're very grateful to God for that. Just sense that, that um, I think the Isaiah prophecy says, do you, do you not believe it? Do you not perceive it? See, I'm doing a new thing. Um, it, it springs up, it rises up, and I think uh, we're not always the, we're not always so perceptive. But I think we we were praying on Thursday, saying, "Yes, Lord, we we do believe it, we do perceive it. You are doing, you've, you've got our attention." And I just wonder this morning, as we look at these verses, whether there's a, a prophetic sense uh, of what the Lord is bringing to birth, and even as we as we reflect at the towards the end of a year that's been beautiful for us, we're also looking at what we move forward into uh, in, in the next year. And the kingdom of God is always moving, accelerating, advancing. Um, again, one of the passages we'll often read at Christmas from Isaiah of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's how the kingdom of God spreads and grows and, and works. So we're very, Lord, we're very grateful to you for what you're doing. But we just ask you to speak again this morning and to provoke in our hungry, thirsty spirits a desire for more of you and more of what you're doing. Lord, and an acknowledgement and a recognition that you might even want to use ordinary people like us and ordinary churches like us. So we just give you ourselves today and ask you to speak in these next few minutes. Amen. Amen. If you are a guest this morning, I'm speaking particularly to the church this morning, uh, but I hope there are some things I say that are helpful for you as well and help you to think about about Jesus and what it would mean to follow Jesus. Um, So in Luke chapter 1, 
Uh, we've got this, actually it's a song that we'll look at that Mary sings. I won't sing it for you. Uh, don't worry, just in case I suddenly made you anxious, nor will I ask you to sing it. But actually it is a song, uh, and it's an amazing uh, prophetic song. It, it's kind of the, these early gospel verses around all the kind of Christmas narratives where angels are appearing uh, and dreams are being dreamt. Um, they're, they're kind of like the tipping point at the end of the Old Testament, old what we call the Old Covenant era before Jesus, and, and the first expressions of, of a new dawn, uh, a new era, the, the New Testament, the New Covenant. Jesus is appearing. It's, it's like a crescendo of all the kind of prophetic and everything that the Old Testament has signposted us towards. Now, suddenly, it's breaking out. It's like the start of an amazing movie after a, a really kind of long introduction um, uh, and the, the tension is built. And here we have it in, in Mary's song. Uh, it's kind of the new era and the old era rolled I- into one. And again, I, I think even for us right now, as we're, we're just reflecting on some beautiful things that the Holy Spirit's been doing and opening up, things that we've longed for, uh, things that some of us have prayed for for, for decades um, that we are now seeing before our eyes. And yet, the, the very act of seeing them and walking in them creates an anticipation of even more for us as we move forward together, makes our hearts leap and sing. So this, this Mary's song kind of resonates a little bit. Let me just read for you. I'll just pick it up a few verses back, maybe from verse 39. At, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. It's just worth saying, I, I think we, we do sense this is a time, church, to be ready. Um, we're, we're never in a hurry. We don't have to hurry and rush, but God's kingdom is on the move. And when we see God doing something, we urgently move towards and walk in line with what he's doing, don't we? It's not that we're in a hurry, but when we see God doing something, we say, yeah, Lord, we want to be a part of that. And we position ourselves. And I love that Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country in Judea. You can have that one for free this morning. Uh, she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, this is Elizabeth, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who's believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Just quick pause there. I I don't know what Mary and Elizabeth are being able to communicate. Mary, remember, she's just had the angel appear to her and tell her, you're going to conceive a baby by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary then gets ready and hurries to her cousin Elizabeth. I, I, I don't know what Mary would be able to communicate, whether she'd sent a runner on ahead, whether she'd written a letter that had got there. This is, there's no Insta DMing. There's no TikTok Mary videos. There's no email to send. So I, I think Elizabeth is prophesying here. She's saying things and declaring things that the Holy Spirit has shown her uh, about Mary, whom probably isn't visibly pregnant yet. Uh, and yet she's saying, you're, you're You've been favoured by God. You've said yes to God. You're, you're carrying the Lord and the Saviour. These are remarkable things. That it, If you've been around in church, you read these verses every year. These are remarkable prophetic words that I think the Holy Spirit reveals to, um, to Elizabeth. And then Mary responds. Mary said, verse uh, 46, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's been true, hasn't it? 
um, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. Let me hear you say good things this morning. Oh, don't you love good things? Well, I do. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he's sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And then Luke carries on to tell us about the birth of John the Baptist, which, of course, is Elizabeth's baby that's just been leaping in her in her womb. So here's our context. As we've said, the angel Gabriel has appeared to Mary. She said, Mary, you, you've not had sex with anyone, but you're going to have this, this baby. Um, and um, she has said, yes, just these amazing words of courage. Let it be to me, as you've said. She agrees with God, uh, and, um, and she begins to walk in line with that. She's pregnant. She's not married yet. Um, Joseph, her fiancé, is giving her some breakup vibes, I think. He's, he's obviously very anxious about how this appears. It takes an, an, another angel and a dream for him to come to terms with what's going on. But Mary goes to see Elizabeth vibrant with, with the promise that God is speaking to her about and growing in her, rejoicing, uh, glorifying God. It, it's like she's, she's discovered this destiny from the Lord, and she's just going to run hard into it, recognizing, wow, in some way, my story is caught up in, in God's bigger story. And do you know what? It's uniquely true for Mary. Okay, this hasn't happened again since, or as far as we're aware before. That's good news. It's not one of our application points from this morning. Um, but uh, what we do find is that all of our own stories are caught up in God's bigger story. It's true for us. The world today tells us you're kind of on your own journey. You're making your own way. Live your best life. All that kind of stuff that Western culture tells us. But the scriptures say that God has a story that he's written for your life. I think there were some prophetic words a few weeks ago or a month or two back about I'm writing new chapters. I've still got new things to say and to write. He's got things for churches like ours. But he's also got things for individual men and women like you and me. He's got, the Bible says he's prepared good works in advance for us to do. That's us, you and me, uh, your story, wrapped up in God's story. When we come to Christ, and we're going to hear from more new believers this morning, it's not that we just kind of um, add on a, a Christianity, a veneer, a surface. We don't just bolt on Christianity to our existing lives. The scriptures say we've died to the old and we've been born again into the, the new. We've come into a whole new life. When they go down into the water later, it's as though they're saying, Jesus, you went down into the grave when he died on the cross and, and I'm going down to die with you in order to be raised into a new life. That's why the Bible talks about being born uh, again. I've got a whole new identity, a whole new purpose now. It's not that my old life didn't matter before, um, but now I flourish and I do live my best life living for Jesus and living for his kingdom cause. That's, by the way, if you've been following Jesus a little while, that's what you signed up to as well. That doesn't dull off over time, but as we continue to be filled with and walk with the Holy Spirit, that purpose becomes more and more alive in us. Let me hear you say an amen from the old timers. Well done. Thank you. It's good news, hey? So it's true for us too. I love Mary's response. We, we didn't read it this morning. It's back in verse 38, I think. I mentioned it. Let it be to me. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you've said. 
Um, that you, you can't just be a churchgoer. You, you can't just be a surface Christian. We, we need to be more like Mary, saying, Lord, everything, 100%, your plans, your purposes, your story unfolding in my life. I just submit everything to you. My, my life will be better when I put it into your hands and live it out for you. God's doing something wonderful, isn't he? He's bringing new things to birth. But we're, we're encouraging one another. Let's keep offering our lives in the cause of the King Jesus. Mary does it here. When we read about the, the new believers, after her son Jesus has died, been raised to life, ascended into heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit. We've spent the last couple of months in and around the Acts of the Apostles looking at uh, at, at um, teaching on who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do. Uh, and again, those first believers in Acts chapter 2 that, that looked on Mary's son Jesus and gave, repented of their sins and gave their lives to Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, oh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and, and to prayer. There's a devotion. Lord, everything is yours. That's how my story finds its true uh, path and its true place. What about us? friends this morning. And how about this song? The, uh, if, if your Bible has little headings, it often calls this story Mary's song or the, Magnific- the Magnificat. It's not a magnificent cat. It's nothing to do with, with cats or, or dogs. It's from the Latin word uh, for the phrases that Mary uses in her first line, my soul glorifies the Lord. That's what the Latin Magnificat means. My soul glorifies, or sometimes in the old translations we say my soul magnifies. If you're like me, you used to um, go in science lessons with a magnifying glass and, and put it on wood lice and things like that to see if you can make them smoke. That's a very bad thing to do, by the way, because they're all God's creatures. But magnifying glasses, their true purpose is to make things that are small look bigger. Um, it magnifies them. Perhaps bear that in mind rather than the wood lice, hey? Don't get distracted by the wood lice. Um, and uh, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. This outburst of praise. She's rejoicing. Again, the word uh, that, that we have, uh, my soul rejoices, it's just translated rejoice in English. Oh, rejoicing's a nice word. When you look at the word that Mary actually used in her language, it means to rejoice whilst jumping for joy. That, that's a bit more exuberant, isn't it? It's a bit more noticeable. It's not very British, maybe. We're a much more diverse church these days. We're learning how to praise with a little more freedom as other cultures rightly shape us. Some of you know more about jumping for joy than the Brits do. This is vigorous. It's loud. It's expressive. Um, It's praise that gets noticed. Preachers can study these words and say, oh, my soul rejoices. We can analyze it, look at the Greek meaning behind it. But this is a song that Mary sang out and danced about in a a loud voice and with physical action. I I don't know if it was a spontaneous kind of prophetic song that that God gave her. Maybe she'd been kind of crafting it, writing it in her mind uh, as uh, as she went to stay with Elizabeth, since the angel appeared to her, it's very similar to a song by Hannah in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel 2, you'll find Hannah who'd been waiting for a child and again received a miraculous child in, through the more conventional methods by which children are conceived. Uh, and Hannah sang a beautiful song that contains many of these phrases. I'm, I'm sure Mary would have known this song, would have memorized it. Maybe she just repurposed it um, with the help of the Holy Spirit. But uh, I, I just love her response of praise. And again, we're learning to praise again this year. We're so thankful that God's given us opportunities to express loudly and exuberantly, without without inhibition, our praise and our thanks to to him. 
um, later on in the story where the angels appear to the shepherds. I love the message translation. It says they let loose with their praise. We're learning to do some of that. Um, we often say here, every time someone gives their life to Jesus or every time we hear another healing story, we say we don't do golf clapping or if, if you're British, we don't do county cricket clapping. And we want to praise with some real freedom and joy, don't we? You will have heard us use that phrase. That's what's going on here. Um, there's no, may we never become bored or routine. Oh, we got more baptisms again on Sunday. Man, we, you know, if you follow Jesus a little while, we had years where we, we would fight and pray but didn't see people beginning to follow Jesus. May it never become so routine that we just politely applaud or say, oh, we've got baptisms kind of messing up the plan for our services on a Sunday again. Praise God. I've got to wear shorts again on a Sunday in the winter. May we never get routine or just give a polite applause for seeing people grow in their promise of God. I was so thrilled last week. One of the, one of the girls in our kids' church who got prayed for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit on, a, on one of our Sunday night meetings last month that shared a prophetic picture last Sunday. How wonderful. May that never be routine. May we learn to celebrate and praise God with exuberance uh, and joy as, as we see our kids learning to grow, prophesying, teenagers sharing the gospel. I had a beautiful story from one of our teenagers this week who's been sharing the gospel with his friends uh, at, at school. When we see kingdom life being birthed, Praise and worship are the right response for believers like you and me. It's actually also part of how we steward things, how we help things to continue growing. I think the Lord sees our response. Uh, when he gives much, we, we give much back, and so more is given. It's a kind of kingdom stewardship and response, isn't it? So let's continue to praise him. It's not fake. We don't have to force it. If, if you're a kind of white British person that isn't massively over the top, but you're really praising God in your heart, brilliant. Uh, if you want to dance, go for it. It's not about being fake. But it is about a heart response to God that says, I will rejoice in God, my Savior. I magnify the Lord. I glorify the Lord. Um, and this, this word magnify is, is, is great, isn't it? We, we can't make God bigger than he already is. Um, what it means is that we, we, it's as though we, we just get new lenses to see God up close and personal as he really is. He's so powerful. He's so great. He really is above all things. As we magnify God, actually, and we often teach this way when we teach on praise and worship, it's like we're getting our head out of our own perspective because most of my life I magnify my stuff and my struggles and the things that I'm grumpy about and anxious about and nervous about in the weeks ahead. And that becomes my perspective. Mary lifts her head from... Mary wasn't an easy moment in her life here. It's all very kind of... Christmas card, um, pretty and nice for us. We know the beginning and the end of the, of the story. But for Mary, this is a, a, a moment of, I would imagine, of much anxiety and huge misunderstanding. A massive pressure on this young lady. And, and yet she chooses to magnify the Lord. When I choose to magnify the Lord and lift my head from my own perspective, then everything begins to change. Sometimes we use the word exalt yeah, it's, a, it's another Bible word that means to, to, to praise or to glorify, to magnify God, to lift him up, to put him in his rightful place. That's why we start our meetings like we've done this morning, praising God. Because when we put Jesus in the right place, I, I put myself back in the right place as well. I, I'm not in the center of the universe. I'm not on the throne, thank goodness. Jesus is. He's the one that deserves all the glory. He's the one to be magnified. My response is to humble myself 
to bow before him in worship, to open my hands, to have my heart amazed at who he is and what he's doing, to begin to lift my voice to give him glory. When we get things the right way around like that, we put him in the rightful place. We begin to respond, wow, who am I that you, that you should pour your love on me? Who are we that you should use us in these ways, that you should write us into your plan and your story? This is something God's been doing in us, I believe, over these last months. He's getting the glory, and we're just amazed to be part of his, his plan. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. <clears throat> Again, this is not surface, external. There's something from the inside out. Um, it's, it's more than words. It's more than song singing. It's from the heart. It's from the inner man or the inner woman. I, I'm going to praise you. I'm determined today. I'm going to lift you up, whatever my circumstances. It's who we are as worshippers that we recognize on a Sunday or when you come to your small group or when you get up in the morning and you've got a choice to come under all the circumstances of your lives. And some of you will be going through some huge challenges right now. Uh, but we get to say day after day, Sunday by Sunday, Lord, I've got all kinds of important preoccupations. But from the inside out, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to put you on the throne this morning. I, I know that it matters to you. Every detail of my life matters to you. But I'm just going to start to exalt you and praise you and glorify you. I'm, I'm going to start to magnify you. I'm going to take my eyes off my stuff. I'm going to decrease so that you can increase. And I'm, I'm just going to begin to believe that something beautiful is going to happen as I do that. Is there anyone else with me in that this morning? It's how, it's how we come into worship. If you wait for the right, right conditions to begin to praise God, you'll never be there. The wind will never be blowing fully in the right direction. Mary wasn't waiting. There's all kinds of complicated, really complicated stuff. Um, Paul and Silas in prison at midnight in Acts weren't waiting for the right conditions. They just shouted out praise to God as they were chained up in the inner cell. This is not a perfect time to praise and magnify the Lord in your life or mine. But as we start to wait on him, the promise of the scriptures is true for you and for me. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Amen. Wow. So uh, I'm not getting through this quite as quickly as I thought I would. Um, and I, I love this. I, I wanted to get here, certainly. As Mary approaches Elizabeth, <coughs> just picture the scene. Uh, Mary's arrived at Elizabeth and Zachariah's house. She comes up the pathway. Um, I don't know if Elizabeth has one of those um, Google doorbells that can see, oh, Mary's here, or whether she, Mary bangs on the door and Elizabeth says, who's that? And, and Zachariah says, I don't know, you've got to go open the door and see. I don't, I don't know how they were set up, but Mary walks up the door, bangs on the, on, on the door, and this extraordinary encounter happens. And the Holy Spirit seems to fill everyone involved at that moment. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Look at that again if you missed it uh, earlier. Um, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, we, we've been learning there's a connection between praise that lifts up, exalts, magnifies the name of Jesus and being filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. It's not complicated, is it? When we praise, the Lord loves to pour out his Holy Spirit. Praise opens our hearts. Praise creates a hunger and a thirst for, for more. This song goes on to say he fills the hungry with, with good things. Um, we've sung this morning, come, are you hungry, are you thirsty, are you weary, all those kinds of expressions. The word hungry here speaks of being famished, craving. I don't know if you're like me and you kind of get ready for your Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. Uh, some people have really, really, really impressive breakfasts Christmas Day. You know, smoked salmon and eggs benedict and glass of champagne and rounds of toast and pan au chocolats, all kinds of things. I know I, I want to be ready for Christmas dinner. 
This takes preparation. Aaron's nodding. You're with me. No vegetables, Aaron, I guess. But, but apart from that, you're ready for the meat feast. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to come to my Christmas dinner famished, craving this, this beautiful meal. Jesus says, come to me in this way. Come hungry, thirsty. And he says, here's the, here's the promise. The condition, there's a condition on the promise. Come thirsty, come hungry. But he fulfills the other side of the bargain, which is, if you come to me this way, you will be satisfied. Psalm 63 says you'll be satisfied or you'll be filled as with the richest of foods. Wow. Uh, I, I love that, Psalm 63. Earnestly I seek you. My body longs for you. My soul thirsts for you. Um, there's, friends, I'm here to tell you today, whether you follow Jesus or, or not, you, there's nothing, there's no one that will satisfy you like Jesus does. He's the true satisfaction. These, these scriptures are full of people encountering him and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking a lot and experiencing a lot about what it means the last few weeks as we've taught on what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, on being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Even last Sunday, there were many baptized for the first time in the Spirit. And the word in the Bibles is the same. Today, we're going to baptize in water. It means they'll get soaked in water. It's the same word for baptism in the Spirit. Uh, It means we get soaked in the Holy Spirit, absolutely soaked in the Holy Spirit. We've been learning more and more about this. And Jesus said that later, um, all that the Holy Spirit had prophesied through the old prophets, everything that Mary and Elizabeth were experiencing here would, would, would be available for all of us who believe in him. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he told his disciples to, to wait in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit power from on high in Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter 2, Jesus does what he's promised. He pours out the promised Holy Spirit. And now the disciples tell us, they realize, oh yeah, this promise is for us. The crowd say, what do we do when they hear the message about Jesus? And Peter tells them, repent, believe, be baptized in water, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you for your children, for all who are far off, and for all on whom, uh, for all who will call on the name of the Lord. This promise is for us today. This Holy Spirit that 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 exploded in the greeting of Mary and Elizabeth is a promise for you and for me today. We can be in faith for that today. Um, we I, I, we've got a real sense that having done a little series on the Holy Spirit, we don't just want to pack it all away. Yesterday we got all the. Jude and I got all the boxes out of the loft with all the Christmas decorations and stuff. And uh, I thought, wow, is it, is it a year almost since I've put all that away in the loft? We, we don't want to have a sermon series on the Holy Spirit where we just box it all up, put it away. We'll get it out again in a year or so's time and just remind ourselves, oh, that's nice and shiny. Put it away again. This is something we're to live in. It's a promise we're to continue receiving and walking in. It's for you. It's for me today. Maybe you got prayed for last Sunday. You think, oh, great, that's it. I got in just at the end of the Holy Spirit series. No, you can be prayed for again today to receive more of the beautiful Holy Spirit. This promise is for us. We're going to pray for those being baptized in a moment to receive the Holy Spirit. They can't follow Jesus without his help. Uh, It's so important. But the Spirit is ready to fill those who are hungry and thirsty and craving for more of him. I'm, I'm so excited about, uh, we're going to enjoy Christmas, but January the 5th, we start our 24 days of prayer and fasting for 2024. It's a time again to, even for some of us, to physically express our hunger and our thirst for more of God and for more of the life of the Spirit, knowing that we're coming to the one who promises to satisfy. Wow. And look at this, children too. John the Baptist, he's the one in Elizabeth's womb, by the way. You haven't got a family tree. I've not put one up on the screen for you this morning. If you're thinking, who are all these names? 
Um, it, it's like the middle. It's like the beginning of one of the Lord of the Rings or something, where you've got all the names. Um, who are these names? John, John the Baptist is, is an unborn baby in Elizabeth's womb. He, he, I mean, he dominates the pages of the Gospels when he when he turn over the next few pages. Um, but right now, he's an unborn baby in Elizabeth, and and, and he leaps for joy when this when he as an unborn baby hears Mary greet his mother Elizabeth. Isn't that extraordinary? Um, I think John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit here. If Mary's filled with the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit. When Kaz was pregnant with our children, if it, her, it was her supply that supplied the babies that were in her womb. Uh, it's her food that feeds those babies. Well, I'm, I'm moving beyond my biology GCSE now, so I'll, I'll quit while I'm ahead. Um, if, Mary's, if Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit, how do we know? What's the manifestation of John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit? He does cartwheels in the womb. <laughs> he leaps, Mary, Elizabeth says, in her womb. If you've ever carried a baby and watched it do that complete turnaround and seen elbows and knees, it's an extraordinary thing. John's doing it here with the Holy Spirit um, alive in him. Isn't that amazing? I don't think I'm going beyond the text in, in saying that. Uh, and what we do believe, and this, this passage reminds us, we, we have an expectation from the Scriptures that our children, our teenagers, can receive the Holy Spirit. This is not something for the highly qualified, for those who've done an exam and followed Jesus for 20 years. We are growing a New Testament kingdom culture here where there's no one too new, no one too inexperienced, no one too young or too small. The only qualifying factor to receive the Holy Spirit, it seems, in these passages is to be hungry and thirsty for Jesus. Wow, isn't that amazing? Uh, he'll fill you if you come to him in that way. And John the Baptist has a ministry of pointing to Jesus. Later on, he says to crowds, look, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who's come to take away the sin of the world. I think John the Baptist's ministry of pointing to Jesus starts inside his mother's womb, where when Jesus comes to his front door inside Mary's womb, John the Baptist is going, he's here, he's here. It's the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. I'm doing cartwheels. Don't you know he's here? It's going to change everything. Are you getting the excitement here in the unborn baby John the Baptist, or maybe it's just me seeing that in the passage. Wow. Listen, none of our kids are too small to welcome the Holy Spirit. None of our children are too young to learn to, to minister to others and to grow in their call and gifts. We, we want to look for every opportunity we can. Can I encourage you parents at home to pray with your children, to expect much from your children. As we push into January and enjoy our 24 days of prayer, let's, let's look deliberately to grow again, kids, adults, teenagers, together in being filled with the Holy Spirit and seeing what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, I think that needed some agreement, didn't it? Yeah, well done. Wow, and God, my Savior, Mary says, verse 47. Let's just take a moment on this. He's been, um, where are we? My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord. My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. Uh, this is, this again makes our minds do some, some little flips, but it's just worth dwelling on for a moment. Mary needed a Savior. Our Catholic friends who we love have different ideas about Mary that aren't in the Bible. Here we learn some things that are true. Mary also needed to be saved for her sins, from her sins, through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. There aren't two different ways, two covenants. There's not one for Mary and one for the rest of us. We, we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior, Jesus. 
Uh, he is the Savior of the world, and he's Mary's Savior too. And she says it here, that my soul glorifies in the Lord, my God, my Savior. It's a remarkable thing that the, the child that is growing in her womb is going to be the Savior for her sins. We just, we just believe that in faith. As the old creeds say, we believe um, in, in, uh, in this that happened. Um, and we just get to praise him. And Mary does that here. I, I don't know how she worked it all out in her mind, but she says he's my savior, and he's the savior of the whole world. At the end of this song, in, the, in uh, verse uh, 54, 55, she sings about Abraham and his descendants and the, the promise of God's mercy to Abraham's descendants. And again, if you know anything about the, the big story of the Bible, Abraham, one of the heroes of the faith, right at the beginning that God called out to begin um, the, the family of God on the earth. Genesis 22, we, we find God making a promise to Abraham that through him and through his sons and daughters, God would fill the whole earth with his people. But it's, God makes that promise at a moment where Abraham is about to sacrifice his only son. In fact, it, it says a couple of times in the passage in Genesis 22, his one and only son. If you, if you think about that language, and if you think ahead to what Mary's talking about, this awful moment where a son will be sacrificed so that a people can grow, uh, that are a people after God's heart, we begin to see, oh, this is about Jesus. Later on in John 3.16, we find that the promise to Abraham and the song that Mary sings about and, and speaks about is pointing us all to Jesus. Jesus is the Savior, our Savior, um, the Savior of the world who's come to be the fulfillment of all of these beautiful old promises, that we can be added into God's people through him, that we can have our sins forgiven, that the promise spoken to Abraham gets confirmed in our life, that the promise Mary sung about becomes true for us too. And so in John 3.16, Jesus tells us, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. This son that came at Christmas, the baby Jesus, He's going to be given over to death. He's going to be abandoned for our sins. Later on, the scripture says he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. Abraham didn't have to give up his own son in the end. He was was, um, released by an angel. It's a beautiful thing. You and I don't remain tied up in our sin, waiting to be sacrificed, trying to do something to get right with God, to please God, having to pay our own way to be more religious. No, Jesus, the Savior, our Savior, my Savior. You can say it with Mary today. The one and only Son has given himself up to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. This is the gospel. Whether you're hearing it for the thousandth time this morning, or whether you're hearing it for the first time, we can all say, my God, my Savior, as we look to Jesus this Christmas time. Wow. And just briefly, what's the content of this song that Mary sings? Well, first of all, it's a song that is all about her son, Jesus. And again, it's just an aside, but if we're learning to praise and worship God, it's a good place to start that we sing mainly about Jesus. (laughs) Uh, It's what it means, as we've been saying, to magnify the Lord. We don't sing about ourselves and our stuff. We lift up the name of Jesus. We sing and we boast in his plans. That's what Mary does here. These incredible plans of God that she sings about, about who he is, his nature, his character, his, his victory. We're reminding ourselves of his work and his promises. But secondly, uh, these, this praise is full of what we would call, what the Bible calls kingdom language. It's all about God's work. It's about what he's going to do. It's about the characteristics of, that Jesus the Savior will bring to planet earth, the way he'll work in the world. It expresses God's heart for the poor and the lowly and the bowed 
down or the poor in spirit. It's the call that we share as we're followers and disciples of Jesus. Uh, verse 49 it says, he's mighty, he's holy, he's done great things for me. Wow, I, I love that, again, the testimony element of Mary's song. We're, we're trying to learn again to give more testimonies. When God does something, we want to share it and let people know God's done mighty things in my life. He's done good things for me. And we get to celebrate and move forward together. Um, and then verse 50, he shows mercy to those who fear him or who are in awe of him. Wow, how good to know that we come to a God of mercy this morning. Oh, and by the way, it says he shows mercy forever. <laughs> That's good news, isn't it? Not just today, not just tonight, but, but tomorrow, the day after, whenever you need mercy. He's a God of mercy as we come to him. Wide, wide mercy. This is the God who humbled himself, took on human flesh, took on our weakness, offers his mercy to the most broken, the most lost, the, the farthest away, the most despairing. Jesus tells his disciples to go looking to, 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 to hand out the mercy of God to the end of the earth and to the very end of the age. They're the limits. Until Jesus returns, we're going to keep reaching out with his mercy. And we see it in the life of Jesus. Mercy to the sinner, to the tax collector, to the, the ones that collaborated with the Roman regime. Mercy to the despised, to the rejected. Mercy to the sick. Any, anyone here this morning that thinks I'm not worthy to receive the mercy of God, this promise of mercy forever cannot include me. If only you knew what had been going on in my life, my attitudes, the things I've said and done. Let me tell you, friend, today, God knows and he still offers you mercy and extends it to you today through Jesus Christ. Verse 51 tells us he's got a mighty arm. It's my, one of my three best disco moves. The, uh, that one, you know that one? It looks good in the shorts, doesn't it? The mighty arm. I love that song. Mighty, uh, mighty hand now, stretched arm. He's loving you. It's just me. Okay. What does he do with his mighty arm? He scatters the proud. He brings down rulers. It speaks of his dominion, his strong rule. This is good news for us. Um, he breaks every dominion and bondage in our lives, every addiction he can break. And it's a real encouragement. We have friends and, and brothers and sisters in the church here today who have fled uh, evil, unjust, ungodly regimes. We, we have promises here in the scriptures that one day, Jesus on his throne will, will, uh, will throw every other ruler, every other proud and haughty ruler from their throne and scatter them. This is the mighty arm of, of our Savior. That's good news, isn't it? This Jesus with his mighty arm would stretch it out gently to heal the sick, to open blind eyes. He would speak authority and a storm would stop. This is our Jesus that we come to. And look at this, verse 52, 53. He exalts the humble. We've, we've just been speaking about exalting Jesus, lifting him up. So this, this song of Mary says that he lifts us up when we're humble, when we're weak, when we're hungry. He fills us with good things, but he sends the rich and the self-sufficient away. These are challenging words for us, particularly in the West. I think Mary, in her humility, she's a, a type of person. She personifies the type of person, the type of believer that God loves to work with, that God will favor, that God will lift up into his purposes I mentioned Hannah's song earlier. In Hannah's song in 1 Samuel, she sings that he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes. They inherit a throne of honor. And so Mary's response to the angel saying, Lord, let it be to me as you've said. I, I submit to you and to your will. It's the very opposite of the proud and the self-sufficient that say, no, let me work it out. Let me do it my way. 
God. This is an attitude that Mary shows for those of us who say we are kingdom people to demonstrate as we follow Jesus. This attitude of surrender and humility. This attitude that, that means the weak become strong, the poor become rich. These verses don't mean that if you're wealthy, if you've got a big bank balance, um, that you can't follow Jesus. You really can, and many do wonderfully. But it does mean that we put our trust in Jesus completely. We put him first. He, he gathers those with this kind of heart to himself and lifts them up. Those who want to keep their idol of finance and self-sufficiency, whatever that might look like, he says, great, well, you go and live in your own strength and see how that works out for you. You get scattered. But for those who say, no, I'll put you first in everything, he gathers us to him and lifts us up. And look at verse 53 as we finish. He feeds the hungry. Those who come to him in this way, there's a, a feeding and a satisfying of every longing of our soul. Wow, Lord, we long for you. We thirst for you. We hunger for more of you. Would you stand with me, please? No, Jody, Hannah, would you come back and help us just for a few minutes before we hear testimony stories? This prophetic song reminds us we follow a God who in the Old Testament fed his people in the years of wilderness in the desert. And then Jesus in the pages of the Gospels fed the thousands on the mountainside with miraculous provision of bread and fish. But he points to himself, the greater miracle, and says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. If you come to me, you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never be hungry again. Lord Jesus, we just say to you, we want to come and eat and drink. We want to satisfy ourselves on you. We, would you forgive us, Lord, where we've, uh, where we've been satisfied in, in other ways? Lord, we, we choose to submit to you right now. We put everything else down. We humble ourselves before the Lord. Thank you. You oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Thank you for this attitude of Mary, this song of Mary. We want to make it our own today. Lord, not just in a moment of emotion, but to say, that, Lord, we want to live this way with this simple humility, with this song of praise and thanksgiving, <laughs> knowing that I've been written into your story, that I'm being lifted up into your purposes. Oh, thank you, Jesus, my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to hear in a moment some uh, short testimonies from those who are being baptized, and we're going to pray for them. But maybe just take a moment here and, and, and now. I, I don't, most of you in here are probably already followers of Jesus. But just while we're praying in this attitude of prayer, if you know I, I, need, to, I need to follow Jesus for the first time, um, if you know I haven't yet given my life to Jesus the Savior, I can't say with Mary, my God, my Savior. Um, if you know I haven't repented, I haven't bowed down as it were, turned away from my sins, humbled myself and said, God, will you lead my life now? I want your life, not mine. If you, if you know you haven't taken that step this morning, just while the band are, uh, are playing behind us, while everyone's got their eyes closed, would you just wave your hand high for me to see? We just want to help you take your next steps this morning. If you're online and doing that, I can't see you waving, but you can just send us an email or a message. We'd love to help you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just take a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for all that you're saving, all that you're doing. Thank you for the challenge of this gospel, this good news about Jesus. It really is good news, but it means I have to put everything down. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just give me a wave. Or in a moment when we're praying, come down and find me or someone that you've come with and let them know, yeah, I want to I pray that way. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, just lift your hands with me. Lord, these are rich promises that we are open to. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you for another year where you've protected us, where you've walked with us, where you've been with us in the, in the tough stuff and the dark stuff. 
and you've been with us in the joys and the thrills and the happiness. Lord, thank you that you lift us up, that you satisfy us in your mercy. Lord, will you help us just to learn to continue to keep stewarding what you're doing? Will you draw praise and thanksgiving from us? Will you help us to to understand and know more and more what it means just to eat and drink from you and to be filled with you day after day after day? We just invite you to keep birthing in us this beautiful new work of God, this kingdom work, writing our name into your story. Keep saving, keep healing, keep using us, keep working here in this town, into the nations, through ordinary people like us. We just believe, Lord, you, we recognize you're bringing some things to birth, and yet also it feels like we're, we're pregnant with something as well, Lord, at the same time. We, we recognize those prophetic promises we were praying about on Thursday, about the, the sower and the reaper working together. It's, it's unnatural. You, you, you sow and then you reap. But in kingdom life, you, you sow and reap at the same time. It's just all going on at once because the kingdom of God is multiplying and growing and spreading. And we just believe you for those days, Lord. And we submit our lives to you and say, please, would you use each one of us for this end? We pray for our children, Lord, over this Christmas, into the new year. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them such a thirst and a hunger to know you. Every teenager, every child, let them hear your voice just so intuitively and simply. Lord, give them gifts of the Spirit. Give them courage to share the gospel. Do miracles as they pray for their friends and mums and dads that are sick and, and see change happen in their bodies. Oh, Lord Jesus, will you just grow this beautiful kingdom work amongst us, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship for a moment or two.